Welcome to episode 182 of No Challenges in Raining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by Courtney Nguyen in Indian Wells. This is my happy place here <laughs> in the desert with you. Lovely night. We're outdoors under the stars, under the lights in Stadium One. I don't see stars. Don't fact check my stars. Okay. But <laughs> how are you doing, Courtney? I'm doing fine. Yeah, there there are no stars, but we do have a beautiful <laughs> we have a beautiful uh, stadium court that has seen some some drama the last uh, the last few nights, and uh, and that's a good thing. So I don't uh, I don't mind too much. No, I think you just can't see the stars just because the lights were under all of them. No, I don't think that's true. But continue. Whatever. Um, we've had a lovely time in the desert so far. I've had a fine time here so far. It's been good matches. Obviously, Serena pulling out was a bit of a wrinkle women's wise, uh, and the draws were crazy uh, both sides i think uh a lot of the anticipated round twos got undone by the draw reshuffling uh but the men's draw is crazy in terms of that bottom quarter uh what stood out to you most i guess in this uh in this first uh six days or so of the tournament we've had um, we're recording this on sunday night yes we we're recording on sunday night actually i mean as much as yes i mean serena withdrawing and having the draw reshuffled slightly um, affected some of the second rounds, but for the most part, there were still a lot of blockbuster second rounds on the uh, on the plate, and they pretty much, I mean, delivered. I mean, so many of them were well. I mean, three of them in particular uh, were out here on Stadium Court, and they were just dramatic uh, three set matches with uh, Karolina Pliskova coming back and beating Monica Puig, and um, Lucy Safarova and Coco Vandeweghe played a phenomenal match. It was it was just an incredible thing to watch. Um, so that was really fun, and then we're recording this after Dominika Svokova came back from uh, match point down to beat Christina Pliskova. So yeah. for me, I mean, honestly, for the first like part of this tournament, so much of the story has been the Pliskova twins. Um, you know, I've been talking to Christina quite a bit since the U.S. Open last year, um, just kind of you know getting to know her and also you know get trying to figure out what's your deal uh, in a lot of ways. Because Carolina, obviously, you mean? Christina. Or, okay. Yeah, because Carolina, I know. Okay. I thought uh, you just said U.S. Open. I thought you meant like after the final. no. Okay. Since yeah, at yeah, the yeah. U.S. Open, I spoke to her and then okay. um, and then uh, spoke to her in Australia as well, um, a little bit in Dubai and then mm-hmm. here. Um, so it's been really cool to, sorry, I almost dropped my phone. Um, it's been really cool to see her kind of start making good on the prodigious talent that she had. She was the better Pliskova when they were juniors. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's been cool. I guess, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Christina Pliskova is, I think I sort of said that in my tweet, even after she lost to Bulkova, this tournament really seems to be her sort of consolidating her arrival as, you know what, there are two of us here at this level now. I mean, into is she top 50 yet? No. Uh, she will be. She will be. Okay, so she's getting in there. I believe she, so. They're going to be in a lot of the of same big tournaments, a lot of the same main draws, because uh, they're spent a lot of time apart. I mean, I famously, or not famously, I don't know how many people care, but Carol... Uh, Christina was off playing a challenger or 125k or something. Dalian yeah, in China, in, in China during um, the US Carolina's, Open final that Carolina yeah. was playing. So she said she said she didn't watch. Um, and she won it. Yeah, she did, and she won it. And, that, and I and really the timeline of Chris Chris Pliss's arrival. All the cool kids call her Chris Pliss. 
Um, at least we do, and we're the cool kids, right? Um, <laughs> no. Um, they, well, if you say you're cool, then you're definitely cool. That is, that is the rule. That's the, what that I've been taught. Yeah. That really did seem to be like the benchmark of, or, or the milepost of when Chris Plus kicked off, was that USM Final for Carolina. Whether it's causation, correlation, whatever, I don't know. But she did that. She went on I think to it's win correlation. Cash Can. You don't think there's a connection? No. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, there, there may be, but there are also concrete. Um, things that changed Carolina, uh, sorry, Christina Pliskova uh, was traveling without a coach for a little bit of time last year, really kind of floundered. And at the U.S. Open, she said she found her current coach, uh, Martin Fasati, um, and they started working together. And, and um, he, his, she says his positivity really kind of helped her. She needed confidence and he helped give it to her. And she went and won, you know, that uh, the tournament in, uh, in China. And then she won her first WTA title a couple weeks later in Tashkent. So, you know, yeah, maybe some of it is, oh, Carolina did so well, I got to do well. But I don't think that it turns that quickly. I think right. that, you know, I think the coach has a, has a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah, no, she's definitely consolidated. And I was joking with Carolina today. Um, you know, you and your sister or your sister, I should say, is making it complicated because we can no longer on tour kind of just say Pliskova and make and uh, people assume we know or they know. Uh, you know, who we're referring to. And this goes back to even in Doha when um, Carolina Pliskova won the title and a journalist was like, oh, will you play Vinci like in, the, you know, tomorrow in Dubai? And she was like, no, that's my sister. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's starting to be they're both it's in the tough. draw. If you see a K Pliskova, you do have to kind of double check to make sure. Um, and that's all credit to Christina Pliskova. I mean, she played a fantastic match tonight against Dominica Spokova. Didn't do too much wrong. A little bit of, of passivity maybe in the big points, but otherwise Spokova took it because she is, you know, Pome and proud. There's so much Pome. Uh, a couple other WTA notes. Madison Keys yeah. come back here. Uh, Madison Keys playing her first tournament since Singapore. Yep. Uh, had left wrist surgery, uh, where everybody has left surgery up in Minnesota. She got it done there and coming back slowly but surely. Had a what looked like a very straightforward match against Duque Marino. Was up six one five one. I think needed eight match points. Ultimately won at seven five in the second. Uh, she'll play Osaka next, which should be a fun. Uh, match in which the ball to be hit gently and softly throughout. I'm sure. <laughs> a lot of slicing, a lot yeah, of dicing, a lot, of, a lot of you know drop shots yeah. and you know trickery and whatnot. Now it'll just be like all at power. Haymakers. On both, it'll be tremendous. Uh, big babe tennis, as Mary Carillo says, in the finest form. Uh, so Madison seems very happy to be back, and it has that sort of you know you sense <laughs> seeing someone like her. I sense anyway, who was so well rested. And just happy to be here. Everyone else, my contrast is not. Yeah. And everyone else is just, you get, I mean, just sort of like, oh, well, Indian Wells is not the worst time for this at all. I mean, like, Indian Wells, everyone's still in a pretty good mood. There's still a little bit of off-season freshness left in you, and you're in a happy place. And there's no huge tournament on the, in terms of Grand Slam, tournament on the horizon. So there's not, like, nerves ramping up quite yet or anything. You're not feel like, you know, if you lose here, it's not symbolic of anything necessarily. Um, but Madison's in a notably good mood, and hopefully that uh, that sticks around as she's back with Lindsay Davenport and everything going yeah, her way. No, I mean, you know, part of you know the WTA storylines coming into this tournament was kind of the return of a, of a number of players. So Madison obviously was the big one because she hadn't played since Singapore, but also you know Venus playing her first tournament since St. Petersburg, Simona Hallett playing her first tournament since St. Petersburg, Joe Conta playing her first tournament since the Australian Open. I mean, uh, quite a few players who you know were ruled out of the Middle East swing due to injury. So it's been interesting to see them back and and in different you know different shades. Honestly, you know I yeah. think Madison is kind of you know the bright eye 
side. Like, I'm just so happy to be swinging a racket and competing. You know, Simona Halep is, you know, low in confidence, as, as she's pretty open in saying. And um, coming into things, Venus is all taped up and somehow escaped with a win over JJ. <laughs> that was, I that still was, can't that explain was, that one. That was largely JJ. JJ had three match <laughs> yeah. points and was terrible on them. I mean, had chances, hit some bad returns. I mean, Venus is an incredible fighter, but she was bad yeah. through two sets of that match. I had no business winning it. And then JJ kind of, and she was better in the third, and JJ kind of faded. But that was ugly. Unlike, well, in a different brand of ugly than Burton Spachinski, which I just thought was glorious, which was a match where they each had five match points before finally Tamea won it on her sixth uh, today. So there's been a lot of a lot of WTA roller coasters. And there's also a three-setter, a third-set tiebreak match today with uh, Garcia beating Kanta. Mm-hmm. So it's been a... Been a bang for your buck kind of event so Yeah, which far, is I what think. we thought was yeah. going to happen when you saw the draw and you saw that these were pretty evenly matched, yeah. uh, you know, second rounders, um, third rounders. So, so yeah, so it's been fun. I mean, the first, the first week has been good because, yeah, the matches have been great. The top seeds have come through. Other than Conta losing to, to Garcia, people have been making it through, which is something that, you know, as those of you who follow the WTA know, like we are kind of always in red alert, you know, in the first uh, few rounds at a, at a, at a, at a big tournament. Um, and uh, and so far, it's pretty much held to form. I, I say this before, the the, 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 the <laughs> bottom half is supposed to play. Tomorrow, God only knows what yeah. happens tomorrow is basically another WTA slogan. <laughs> um, and uh, proud. And proud. No, of course. Uh, I was talking to Matt Chalope and, uh, during the Kayla Day. We've mentioned her Kayla mm. Day match against Garvini and Muguruza. And he'd been really excited. We've been talking earlier. We were excited to see uh, Muguruza play against Fidelina possibly yeah. next round. And then... Carolina Pliskova after that, and it looked like Day was getting through, and he just, he just looked and he said, I'm not going to quote this exactly right, and I'm not going to try to do his accent, which is amazing. Those of you who listened to the podcast have heard Matt Schlope's accent before. Um, he said something along the lines of, all I want is for top 10 players to make it into the rounds and play each other. I just want to see that. It's not too much. No. Which, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But Kayla Day had a breakout-ish tournament. I mean, she only won two, only, quote-unquote, two matches, but was up a set on Garbini Muguruza, went 7-5 in the second and lost that. Um, and she clearly showed like she feels like she's learning that she belongs out here, and she's got a lot of game. She's a lefty uh, with a good serve, which is uh, not something you often see. For someone who's not hugely tall, it's not something you usually see as a primary weapon in a young player, so it's exciting to see, and she's got uh, a lot of moxie, that kid. Yeah, she does. I mean, she's she's got that that strut, which is, uh, you know, the Cali swagger, I guess. I guess we do have it. I mean, like, you know, Cece has it. Coco has it. Kayla has it. I mean, the Cali kids kind of have a certain strut about us. Not me. Not I don't all, really. Not all of you, but yeah. No, yeah. I mean, Sam Query is also. I mean, not. not he's, he's got a gait. <laughs> As do all. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it was it was a great performance from Kayla Day, who I really hadn't seen much of um, at all. Uh, until this tournament to really kind of sit and watch her. And I just like, I liked how she competed. I thought her win over uh, Mariana Lucic Broni was phenomenal. I mean, it just, the poise um, and ability to kind of withstand the, the mature way that Mariana Lucic Broni was going about that match, even though she wasn't playing her best. But, um, but Kayla Day, yeah, fantastic. 17 years old, youngest in the top 200, you know, I am very much tempering expectations because I think that's what is fair. She's 17. She's I mean, 17. You don't know what somebody's body's going to do. You don't know, you know, but but it'll be interesting to see her and Cece, you know, kind of progress through. Um, uh, and and uh, I would I would say right now that, you know, just looking at them play, probably more upside with Kayla Day, I think, because of the serve um, and a little bit more power in the leftiness. But 
I mean, they're both great competitors, which is great to see for young kids. You read my mind in terms of mentioning Cece, who I was going to bring up next, just because she, she lost first round here to Kirsten Flipkins. But you saw her. You were just in Dubai. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a second. But just first on Cece alone, uh, thoughts on her. She's rising up fast. She's almost top 50. And she's 55, I want to say, this week. Uh, 17 years old. People know her from her famous win over Sybil Kova and the incredibly, the most hype match I've ever been at, proportionally to what it should have been probably, was the Bellis uh, Serena Diaz Bowl in Court 17, a couple, the match, second round match after the Sybil Kova win in 2015, I guess. Uh, yeah, so what are your thoughts on CeCe being around her? I, I have personally haven't seen her play much. I haven't talked to her much. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on getting to see her more? I know you've seen her more than me already before Dubai, but especially getting that win over Red Monster there, that was a bit of a... A statement tournament for her yeah no i mean look you're 17 years old you make a quarterfinal of a premier five beating uh, a redvanska who is a player who we've seen kind of be able to school some of the younger kids doesn't give up cheap wins. she doesn't give it up and 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 aga wasn't perfect i mean she wasn't a game but taking it into a third and just the thing that you love about cc and, and again this applies to kayla but we have more data points with cc bellis just the way she competes is really her strong suit. And as she gets gets older and as she gets stronger, you know, she's added some more pop on her game. I, I still think that, that there's an undersizedness about about her game that yeah. concerns me, um, you know, going forward, just because the game is morphing into when you see, like, the Pliskova twins, not that they're young. I mean, they're, they're, they're 24, but... Um, when still you young. See, but you see that, you see Keys, you see Osaka, you see Kanyu, you see the type of power that is kind of waiting in the WTA next generation you know you you see, you see you know that that can this stack up and um and for cc i mean obviously to get those wins those aren't easy wins it's not like you can just be like oh you fluked that win over a red vonska you fluked that win over sibokvo and even again she does it the hard way she finished last year on a 15 match win streak if i believe that i believe yeah. that's correct um um kind of cleaning up at the, on the itf circuit um, got delayed, a 125 title too, I think. And got yeah. a 125. Oh yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah. And then um, you know delayed her her um, start to the season, not unlike a Keys, insofar as she had a bit of an injury, so she she couldn't play Australia. And then in your first WTA main draw of the season, you make a quarterfinal in Dubai. I mean that's that's pretty good. Um, and you can't you can't begrudge that on a on a tour where the ultimate criticism is that people can't win. You know what I mean? Like, like okay, you won one day, but then you you don't follow it up the next day. Yeah. Or you won one title, and then or you had a good week, and then you don't follow it up. I mean, we see it, you know, fairly regularly because of the depth on the tour. Sure. So if somebody does cut through that, you kind of have to tip your cap regardless of what you think, right? I mean, like, something's getting it done. Um, and she got good wins in Dubai as well over Ziegemund. You know, like, tough outs. Like, not easy players to beat. She, 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 she kind of racked up those wins. So, I mean, tip my cap to CeCe Bellas again. Very curious to see what she continues to do, um, and 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 very much caution for both of them. Uh, you know, let's let's chill out and let's, let's let, just let them do. Let them do exactly. I hope that like, and I guess switch the men a little bit, or we should at some point. But um, you know, results will come when they come, and you know things can be ahead of schedule, and it should be the bar by which measure everything else all the time. Like Taylor Fritz. Switch the men. He had his best career win, his first ever top twenty-five win, even tonight, uh, beating Marin Cilic uh, deep in the third set. Uh, and he's somebody who I think maybe people had been. Oh, he had an unimpressive numerically as last three quarters of last year. I mean, he had a good start. He made the Memphis final. And I think he did well, maybe in Delray Acapulco after that, but didn't do much after that. 
um, got up to towards top 50, but really plateaued and lost a lot of matches in the later part of the year. And he broke through, and you know, and he's still only 19. Even hell, I mean, even bigger picture, some like a Ryan Harrison who won his first title in uh, Memphis. Uh, is still only 24, and we talk about him like a has-been. And so... It, this sport it, is yeah, very cruel. It is. It is very cruel, and it's very, what have you done for me lately? And yeah. so right now, as we sit here, we can say all these wonderful things about, you know, Kayla Day and CC Bellis, and in a year, you know, people can be like, oh, I can't believe you guys hyped them. Like, you know, like they're nothing. They're outside the top 100. It's a, it's a, yeah, maybe. And even, like, you know, if you if you jump up a notch... You look at, I mean, not that they're cautionary tales at all because they're not. But if you look at a Belinda Benchich and Anna Kanyu, and you look at their op, their opposite trajectories of two players who dominated that junior season for you know right like you know won two majors each uh, junior slams and then Benchich because she was injury free kind of ma- made the transition and she has a great game and and she's gonna be fine Belinda Benchich. But right now, yeah, I was curious she, to get you what you think of her current state because she's out of top hundred now. Yeah, sure. No, she's not playing well. Um, and I think that, that uh, well, I don't know if Belinda would actually say that as explicitly, but um, but she's not. And, and a, lot, a lot of that has to do with all of the injuries that she finally, that her body almost caught up with her last year, um, starting with the, the lower back injury that she picked up uh, that rolled out of Fed Cup in the spring. And it just kind of steamrolled from there. And, and she was just picking up niggle after niggle. And when I spoke to her in the fall in China last year, she said, like, pretty explicitly, like, look, like, there are a lot of people that I came through juniors with who have been injured and I never got injured when I made the transition and I got to make that, you know, and, and now it's catching up maybe, and it's okay. I mean, she has a good perspective about it. I mean, the good thing for, and what makes me happy when I talk to Belinda is that I don't think that she's necessarily panicking. She's disappointed and she's frustrated. She's outside the top 100 right now, Yeah. but um, you know, Belinda Benchich can hit a ball. And we know that. So it's just, it, but it takes time. You know, you got to get your, 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 your movement back. You got to get your footwork back. And then you got to get the wins and then you get the confidence back. And all of that goes in stages. You flip that over to Anana Kanyu, who, you know, hits a big ball, kind of played even as a junior WTA level tennis in yeah. terms of pure power. And, um, and, you know, had to undergo surgery and had injuries left and right and age rest- playing under age restriction, all these sorts of things. Now we're finally starting to see an Anakanyu who starts to get like regular wins. Like, you know, like she's not making deep runs all the time, although she made the quarterfinal along with CeCe in Dubai. But and she made a US Open quarterfinal. And last US year. Open quarterfinal yeah. as well. And, you know, took Aga to that epic uh, uh, three setter in Wimbledon. So, but it's coming and, and you see it. So, they're examples of why you just don't write people off and why you just let them do what they do until, in my opinion, they get to about 21, 22. And then you can start evaluating careers as like, dude, you're a pro. Your body has stopped growing. The growth plates have locked in place. Like, you know, I mean, with women, it's still a little bit different. Our bodies kind of change at different stages. Um, and so, you know, there's still that to deal with. But um you know, in when when they're teenagers, you just let them play. And I, and I think that's just sort of, you know, I think that's right. And I think that, you know, patients for teenagers, absolutely, those are the extreme cases. A patient is mandatory. But even in this era of, mm, yeah. you know, generations not arriving or older guys staying around, I'm just thinking the other result we haven't talked about on the show. Because when we did the show last week, we talked only about Dubai with Reem Abulail. It was great. Um, but Sam Query won Acapulco, uh, which is 
his biggest career title by far. I mean, he won Memphis when it was a 500 also, but it was a much weaker 500. And the run of wins he had beating four top 20ers, Goffin, Team, Kyrgios, and um, Rafa. Rafa, I don't think anyone would have given him much of a shot in any <laughs> of those four matches. And he did it. And he's somebody who, again, we just sort of, you know, not that he's going to win slams or anything, Sam Quare, not that we're th- thinking that now. Um, he could. Who knows? Um, I don't think so, but who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I'll hedge my bets on anything at this point. He's, you know, 29 and getting his biggest results ever. I think 29, 28 or 29. And, you know, it's just sort of how tennis works. And I we saw this in, ex- yeah. in the extreme examples of Lucic Baroni yeah. getting her best slam result in decades at the Australian Open this year. I mean, the expiration dates on these players or the patients or the, the sell-by date, let's say, is uh, – is, pretty fluid yeah no I mean, pre- yeah, we just don't know. Yeah. you know like absolutely i mean this has been going on since you know for about five six seven years now on the wta you know you're going all the way back to like the schiavoni you know uh yeah. win at the french open and then lena and then you know just the string sam stozer kind of doing it later in her career panetta panetta uh vinci, vinci. i mean this is no i mean you got to be a little bit italian but like other than <laughs> you know but but that's that's the beauty of the sport i mean even today you know you're watching a 17 year old or not today but the other day watching a 17 year old go toe to toe with the with with lucic baroni like that's cool that's what makes tennis fun but you know but at the same time it's 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 so dangerous to grade it not on a curve like to just be like you're 34 and the expectations for you are the same as you 28 who are the same as you at 24 who are the same as you at 20 and you yeah. at 17 it, it just doesn't work that way and, and we have to be fair and I, and I would preach that because it's dangerous I mean you mentioned Harrison it's just dangerous to be in a position where you just yeah you just wipe somebody from the ledger because they haven't done something on your timeline Harrison's a fascinating case on all sorts of levels and we talked about if you listen back to season one of no challenges <laughs> remaining we talked about Harrison a lot all the time because he yeah. was an incredibly captivating and polarizing and whatever other um, adjectives you want to use player I mean Harrison because of the way how he conducted himself and how he talked and how people talked about him you know being seen as this really next you know he savior shakes hands. He, you know he just got his, <laughs> this the, his unblinking thing. eye he <laughs> shakes hands and that's he's, he's just he's gonna make it i'm like i don't think that's how tennis works bro he was just all <laughs> intangibles yeah. and in the end he's the money ball he was yeah exactly or the non-money ball guy exactly the opposite the money ball antonym whatever yeah and yeah but he's still again young and is improving and who again he might go crash right back out of the top hundred He's at his new career high. Uh, he got into top 50 once before. I think now he's up to 44, which is a little bit higher than before. He lost a, a very fun match to Jumer mm, yeah, uh, in the one. first match here. It was a lot of fun. It was 7-5 seven, seven, in the third, I want to say. Rackets died. Ra- four, R.I.P. Four rackets died within the last two points. It was Rackets in peace. Glor- <laughs> That's good. That's Thanks. a good shirt. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Send royalties, please. Uh, Need Snickers we can, we can money. Reactivate the t-shirt store and get <laughs> yeah. ra- Rackets in peace shirt. Rackets in peace. Um, in pieces. Uh, yeah. <laughs> collaboration. This is just like brainstorming, honestly. Oh I don't gosh. even know why this is a podcast. It's California, just getting all these sort of startups Ugh. in Silicon Valley That's and how we whatnot. Do. Gold Pitch rush. it to Reddit. <laughs> um, but no. uh, yeah, so I mean, Harrison, Harrison is that, and, and he's uh, interesting to see him stick around. I mean, Harrison obviously is remains polarizing. I think remains captivating, and it's. I'm glad he's around because he just makes people feel things, and he's. Pleasant enough to deal with. So those are my criteria. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, 
he's professional in the way that he goes about his business. Yeah. Like, you know, like he, he, off court. Yeah, of course. Like, that's what I mean. Of course, he can be bratty. Right. But for, for sure. us yeah. as people who have to deal with them off court, uh, professionalism goes a long, it long really way. It really does. It really does. Um, other things. Let's see. Other men's wrap ups. Oh, we should mention the number, the number one player in the world lost his first match to a guy ranked 129. I mean, usually that'd be our, we kind of bury the lead here at No Challenge just remaining sometimes 23 minutes into this podcast. Uh, Courtney, you saw a lot of that Vashik Pospisil mm-hmm. win. Um, Andy Murray has never has been up and down in the desert, but a lot of downs compared to usually where his results are. This is his fourth time losing his first or second match here in the last seven years. Um, so it's been it's been one of the two Masters events he's never won. That's in Monte Carlo. I thought he had a real shot this year of completing the set of winning both of those. Not, I did too. Not not a favorite to do it, but it was certainly very plausible. Um, and he <laughs> ended he that quest. Wells didn't make it one Monte match Carlo. into that quest. Yeah. So. Uh, so we'll see Djokovic will have the chance next to sweep it. Um, I don't think Federer can do it. Um, he's not going to play Monte Carlo and Rome both, I don't think, even. Uh, so we'll see. But Djokovic will have it in Cincinnati the next realistic shot. Uh, thoughts on Andy Murray and, I guess, just the general state of big Fordham right now, where, where they all stack up with Djokovic losing to Kyrgios and Acapulco, uh, Djokovic being Djokovic. That happened. You're making a face. Djokovic losing to Kyrgios and Acapulco? Oh, yeah, that did happen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> that definitely is a thing that happened. Yes. Um, but yeah, so like, just, just start, with, start with Murray. Start with things you did see <laughs> or remember. No, I did watch it. I just completely, I don't know. I don't know why I blanked on it. Um, there was an Instagram post about it. There was. X for the Joker. Yeah. And those kids today and their emojis, you know, it was great. Oh, those kids and their emojis. Can we? Uh, can people stop boomeranging? By the way, boomerang. I don't sucks. like boomerang it's at so all. Stupid. It looks really stupid. I, I, thank you, thank you. Yeah. High five. Um, Andy Murray, just I don't know, just a desert hex. I mean, all credits of Vashik Pospisil. Um, yeah. I who's mean, a, who's a better than? Yeah, it's, player. it's he's a top fifty player. Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, it, and so and he played like the match of his life, and it, for him to do it in straight sets, for him to not, you know, we've seen Vashik get nervous, and I think that until. Um, match point was finally done. I think that's when people thought that Vashik Pospisil could do it. I mean, it wasn't like, like, oh, this is happening. It's like, come on. Like, you know, we, that- we have data points that say that it's not going to happen. And so credit to him. And I love that. I love that that's a possibility. I mean, anything it, is Pospisil. Anything is Pospisil. And the thing is, is like, you look at the big four. I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, Andy loses to Pospisil, ranked outside the top 100. Novak loses to Isamin, right? Ranked yeah. outside the top 100 at the Australian Open. Federer loses to Donskoy, ranked outside the top 100. All I know is that if WTA number ones were taking that lose losses, there would be a heck of a lot of different chatter than like, oh. Yeah. Which I kind of feel is what's happening. And that's, that's not. That's totally right. I remember, I remember Dinara taking lots of Oof. bad L's. Dinara. No, but seriously, to use a real world example, I know, but and it's she triggering. got. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I think, was Zhang Shui one of them? No. Yes. Yeah, in Tokyo, I want to say. Yeah. Zhang Shui or Lina? Zhang Shui. No, it was, it was, it was, it was a Chinese it was person. Shui. Yeah, it was not that that's not Chinese. Um, yeah, it was not Lina. But yeah, it was someone ranked way down. And yeah, it's it's true though. I mean, the narrative building, you're right, it's not there. And I think obviously these guys have big bodies of work. I mean, they both, you know, all the guys want lots of slams. We all know that they're good at tennis, and therefore, right. and we accept that as the yeah. premise is that they are very good at tennis, which is why it's very frustrating when, you know, yeah. I mean, I I could see a Serena being like, 
dude, if I lost with a premier mandatory to somebody ranked outside the top 100 in the first round, like there'd be panic. There'd be panic. And I've won 23 majors, and I'm like really good at tennis. So why did those guys who we all, if I'm assumed to be good at tennis, and those guys are be are assumed to be good at tennis, do I get heat for it? Can is I, what I would project upon Serena. Because we're like after midnight, and you mentioned in our, I mentioned in our CV. Let it take me down a rabbit hole for a second. Hold on, hear me out. Sure. If Carolina Pliskova gets to number one without winning right, a slam, slam, which is a very yeah. real very, possibility very because possible. the rankings are tight, she's playing great. Uh, there's not a slam for a while, so she could even just do it before the next slam comes at the French Open. In theory, if she has a great run here in the Sunshine Double, quote unquote, um, do you think the tennis, I don't know what the word is for it, cognoscenti, will be more understanding of it this time? Do you I think, think. Do you think? Do you think we've learned our lesson, quote unquote, on hot taking number ones, or is every case different? Pliskova just presents a different sort of thing because she's so young, and she's made a slam final recently, and people love her no. game. I, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think that at the end of the day, that criticism of a slamless number one is a one that is used because it's just an angle. So if you need an angle for a story, there's your story. Regardless, you just plug and play. I wrote so that that's story. always going to be there. Yeah. But two, I think that, you know, the latent kind of... Um, not assumption, that's not the right word, but basically what you're saying, and I think this does drive it, is you don't respect that person's game. That at the end of the day, because even like you're looking at an Angelique Kerber, he's a two-time slam champion, number one, you know that there is still the whisper amongst the tennis cognoscenti of like a lack of respect of the game that she brings to the table. So I, I, don't, know think- if it's, I don't know if it's lack of respect. I wouldn't say lack of respect might be the... It's a hard, it's sort of glass have empty way to look at it. I would just say, not that I think you're wrong. Well, hold on. I think that Kerber doesn't get the same respect as other number ones. I don't think she's disrespected. I don't think that, I think people more people respect her than disrespect her overall. Yeah, compared, that's probably certainly true. compared to like a Safina. Um, yeah, but we're comparing slams okay. and non-slams. I'm, right. I'm saying that like okay. you know, but I I think that with that criticism, typically it has been levied against players who, yeah, people just don't respect their games. Like you know that that's I think. You know, when Caroline was number one, I think that that was part of it is yeah. like, you're, you you know, you, you play defensive tennis and you wait for other people to miss. And, you know, that's not the style of tennis that a lot of people, many people love it. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but most most people, at least I know, who watch women's tennis like to watch a power game. Um, so there is a little bit of that. With Safina, it was difficult because in that situation, the numbers were a little brutal because it was like Serena had two slams. Three. One was point. it three? three yeah, at three. One point, yeah. That's now that's on Serena. And if you listen to Serena now, much, much more mature Serena, she says, Oh, Angie deserved everything. I didn't play. Of course, I don't deserve to be number one. And she's getting was, back to number one right now. Right, right. And, and that's not what her take on that whole situation was necessarily back in the Safina years. So, you know, she definitely added fuel to the, the fire very unnecessarily in my opinion but um but yeah I, I don't think that Safina was ever necessarily even when she was playing that heavy power game and she was winning and she was getting these titles and only people really respected what she was doing I get the sense and, and maybe I'm wrong here uh, maybe I'm too deep in it that I can't see past it I don't get the sense that necessarily people think that way about Pliskova I think that people look at Pliskova play and they're like oh yeah that's Grand Slam winning tennis I think where Safina lost the conversation or where she where it lost was her slam finals performances. That's probably true. Where, which were weak. Whereas and with Pliskova, she Pliskova really was, could have won. Pliskova was great. And Wozniacki only had one. And it was like kind of weird. And again, she had a weak draw to get through to that final. Wickmeyer. Wickmeyer. <laughs> and Udan before that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I and Pliskova has beat Serena at the U.S. Open. That counts for a lot. I feel like the, the Serena beatings, validation. Yeah, the, the beating Serena thing is always is always something. She beat Venus and Serena back to back there, and up a break on on Kerber, I believe, in that the set of the final. Mm-hmm. It was up a break, so you know she was there. And it has then, beaten Kerber, and then at, since that has has you know backed it up. You know, and and has been right in there. I mean, I think that at this point, if you were to ask people who the favorites are to win this title, I think people would point to a Pliskova, maybe a Svitolina, simply because she's playing well, and then and then a Kerber because her draw is yeah. looking pretty good at the other half. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I genuinely don't know. It wouldn't surprise me because I've seen so much <laughs> criticism levied towards you know the women's game that I nothing surprises me anymore. People pull things out of their hats. Um, the idea of the whole like panicky slamless under one thing I think is just kind of lame. And, and I think that like if Pliskova, for example, were to fluke it and like totally win the French Open, which Carolina Pliskova herself would say that she would fluke it. Although she said today that David believes that she can win on clay. Um, she didn't look very convinced by it. But um, <laughs> did she win Prague once? Yeah, she won Prague. OK, that's not nothing. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure she won Prague. I think maybe. Let's go with I'm that. I'm almost positive she did. Um, but anyway, so let's say she does that. I think that people will see her in the way that they saw, like, a Davenport. Or, I'm sorry, if she gets number one and doesn't win a slam, that it'll be, like, a Kleister's moresmo You know, like, yeah, but, like, we think you will, though. We yeah. think you're a contender. Like, we, you know, so. They both did it early career, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I. You know, like right now, so long as Serena doesn't play uh, uh, that many tournaments, she's she's putting that number one on the table for yeah. a group of, you know, four players. Yeah. I think four or five players. And, so. I th- and I think with the number one thing also, it just depends a lot on duration, too. Where I'm thinking, like, Wozniacki was the one who got the most heat for it just because she was number one for so long. And it was number one at several slams without winning them. Yeah. And Safina, I think, was number one at three slams without winning one yeah. uh, in 2009. And I don't know that Amelie was ever top seeded slam when she was slams. I don't think so. I don't think so. And Kleister's maybe just at that one U.S. Open, which made the final of and lost to Justine. I want to say in 03. WTA history nerds will know that right off the top of their heads. I'm not that good at that part. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. So, so back to the men, because I feel like we sort of left them in weird, in weird limbo. Um, Andy. Andy. Andy wore color, first of all. I should mention, we didn't mention that. I was excited to see him wearing red in his loss. Um, I'm not too concerned. We'll see. I mean, it's just, I think I chalk, it's just, it, up to, this is, I chalk this, it up to desert. Yeah, this is, I mean, why should we be concerned when this is the status quo? That's true. What he did is what he always does. He didn't underperform. He does what he always does here, which is always just to underperform. <laughs> but it's status quo underperformance. Yeah. You know, it's like what you expect. It's like players who uh, play crap on clay and they play crap on clay. It's like, well, yeah, that's that's pretty much what we expect. So, you know, if he if he if he takes another early loss in Miami, which is obviously a tournament that he's very comfortable at, you know, then you you have a little bit more concern. Um, but uh, but you know, I mean, he won the title in Dubai. Yeah. He, you know, he played well there. It's it's not like his game is that far off. Let's get to the blockbuster bottom quarter of the three matches, two of which are set. Or I'll, I'll give you f- okay of the th- of these three matches, one of which is still one match round away from happening. Which are you most excited for? Djokovic, Del Potro, which just happened at Acapulco, but it still was good. Curios uh, Zverev, also a third round, a little bit of a wild card in this conversation. And Federer and Nadal, fourth round. Del Potro, now back. I mean, it's not even close, to be quite honest. Um, I'm not really sure where Nick and, and Sasha are in their play against each other. I think it's their first match. Yeah, yeah, like, and. 
Um, didn't they play at the Hopman Cup, or am I making? Or maybe it was Sock that Curios played. But I anyways, watch Hopman um, Cup. Yeah, yeah I, I, so I'm not really. I don't know. I I love Novak Delpo. It's like it's just a magical thing, and it's always a magical thing. And uh, even just in Acapulco, that was epic. So it was so good, and so that's the one that I'm most looking forward to. Um, I don't think I've ever been shy about the fact that I just I just don't dig the Federer Rafa rivalry. It's just never been my cup of tea. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, it's not really something. And so, and I'm not really sold completely on the curious sphere of rivalry right now. I will be sold on it in five years, I'm pretty sure, or in like two years. But right now, I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure. But, uh, but yeah, Delpo, Novak, contrast, history. They just kind of like sink into that rivalry every time they play. And unlike like when Novak sinks in to the Andy rivalry or Novak sinks into the, the, the Rafa rivalry, uh, this sinking in is nice. Novak Novak needs an aggressive. I didn't, player. and I don't yeah. mean that like as like Novak does a bad like makes the rivalry bad. I, I meant both of them, but like yeah, it's just the contrast, just like Novak and Fed. It takes two to fail a tango. It does, yeah. yeah. Like Novak Fed's like the Novak, best Novak rivalry, is the best rivalry, yeah. and and you know like let's not pretend otherwise, y'all. Sorry, like I just the the whole Rafa Roger thing just never never really lit even my after fire. Australia. That match was not great until the yeah. end. Yeah. It was, four, it, was four, it was four sets of terribleness. Not terribleness, but it wasn't great. It was like you're kind of slogging through. And the fifth set was like hella drama, and it was great. But I don't know. Maybe they should just play one set. It would also just feel like a little – not that I didn't want to deny fans a chance to see that match. Here, and I'm trolling once. a little bit. I mean, I, mean, I know. Like, we we you know, know. But we know. Like, I don't met. like it. No, but I'm just saying it, it, it doesn't – my trollingness, yeah. my trolling about it doesn't negate the fact that I really just don't mm-hmm. – Particularly look forward. I also to just feel like them meeting so soon after their mm. epic quote unquote would feel just a little bit anticlimactic. Would just be sort of like the Isner Mahout two yeah. of that all. So and yeah. the interesting thing about it is like of the big four. I mean, Rafa's the one that okay, yes, he lost to Query in the Acapulco final, but he really hasn't taken bad losses. No, he plays, played well. He's been this playing year. really well. I mean, of the of the four of them. He's kind of been the most insulated from like, oh wow, that was real. He's the one who hasn't had a sub top hundred loss. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't know that that was the standard now in the ATP. Yeah. Okay, yeah. ATP always lower in the bar. <laughs> All the catchphrases. Um, other, last desert miscellany. A uh, one thing I haven't mentioned, not that we would came up with it. Very nice to see in terms of desert miscellany this lovely. Uh, I think organic. I don't know if they planned it this way, but the the poster the card one. to Petra, this big uh, sort of billboard, little billboards so ground level that's become a, a greeting card for it. It's been very heartwarming to see. And a lot of players um, who have um, tweeted it out too are just seeing they're really touched. And even, I say even, but even like Jeannie Bouchard, who's had some rough moments on court with Petra Kvitova, was like, it's not known for being social on, on tour, you know, being friendly in the locker room. It's whatever cliches you want to try it out whenever times tweet it out so it's really nice to see that moment tennis coming together um hopefully other tournaments can follow suit in some way um it's, it was just it was just hard. every time i walk by it i get happy yeah no every time i see it and it's just i mean it's blown up you know like I, yeah. I definitely saw it multiple times before the tournament started uh where there were like a few signatures and then just this morning people were tweeting like the state of the wall today and yeah. it's just like it's uh it's fantastic shout so. out to whoever did the first signature who takes some balls yeah exactly <laughs> and and you know i mean it's it's uh yeah, I miss Petra. I genuinely do. And yeah. I would like to think that the, the, the wonderful matches that we've been having here on Stadium One at night for the women have been a tribute to Petra because they've involved, all involved checks. 
with uh, Carolina beating Puig and uh, Safarova beating Vandaway and then Chris Plus playing one hell of a match uh, against Domi. So we miss you, Petra. We love you, Petra. Come back, Petra. I miss you. I like talking to you. You're so nice. Totally randomly, like I was talking to Simona Halep um, and somebody, well, I wasn't talking to her. It was like, maybe her all access hour somebody was like oh do you have friends on tour and stuff she's like oh, i keep pretty much keep to myself um but she and you know my close friends are at home i don't have close friends on tour but two people that i would say are like you know my close friends on tour are like petra and carla and that made me happy because they are both wonderful human beings They're sweet and nice. so is simona so nice la- nice ladies nice club. ladies yeah, that was, yeah, so that's all That's all nice. There's a lot of players missing right now. It's an interesting time on tour. I mean, here, just women's especially, obviously, uh, we're at a, at a time in tour when we're without Petra, without Vika, without Maria Sharapova, without Serena for who knows how long. Um, Anna Ivanovich obviously retired recently, so it still feels like she's a little bit of a void uh, here. makes so a difference. It makes a difference. Because and, when you get those early yeah. draws, they're not, you know... I think sometimes when you look at the early draws, I think the other day, Ben, you, we were in the first round or something, or, sec- or maybe it was the second round, and you're like, yeah, man, these, this order of play's not great. The first rounds here were not good this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, but it, but part of that is kind of like, you know, Anna would have been a first rounder. Like, it, like you would, there would have been marquee names in certain instances, maybe not with the other three, but 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 just having marquee names just livens up your draw because yeah. your your eye is drawn to them, and it's just going to be a match that you track. And if it's a, somebody who isn't somebody that you necessarily track, it's just going to be a match that goes under the radar and you don't pay attention to and it. You know, even like Delpo narrowly yeah, missed being exactly. unseated, and he's somebody who's been that floater category. So just there weren't the sort of you know you know key. Name. It was an odd confluence of everybody who's a marquee name being in the boldface names of the seeds this time. Yeah. So. Works out better for a tournament sort of, you know, draw integrity, quote unquote, but it left the, made it feel almost like extended qualities in some way or something. Um, but it should be heating up nicely in the next few days. Uh, we'll be back to you with more stuff. We're going to have a Sharapova-centric episode, hopefully, coming up with a reuniting of our roundtable from last year, which we did, which should be interesting. It's about a year on as her comeback. Uh, it's only a month away now, and also people have all sorts of opinions on it. And we'll delve into some of those and other things. And the matches themselves will be great, too. So look out for that. Hopefully, maybe try to get a guest or something. We'll see out here in the desert for you. Uh, it's been real. Uh, you have a rant rave before we go, Courtney? Before we, While you think of that, I will do our standard outros. Thank you for listening to No Challenges Remaining. If you want to follow along or you're not listening, you can do so by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. Follow us on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis. Send us questions, comments, whatever. To, on our email, no challenges remaining at gmail.com. We are available on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe to us there. Leave a review, including iTunes and whatever else. We appreciate that quite a bit. Did I buy you some time? You did. All right, let's go. I'm going to do a rant rave um, on two things. But um, I was in the air during the Oscars. Uh-huh. And then I landed. How did I know this was coming? And yeah. then I landed and saw all the calamity that had happened with the uh, the wrong announcing of of La La Land as winning Best Picture, and it was actually Moonlight, um, and all the jokes that ensued and everything. And um, I just, you know, I mean, Ben's heard this. I just, and I think I tweeted about it, but I just, I really, really worry. This is going to be a broader point. I really, really worry with kind of just. This is going to be old person you too. But like with the internet and just the way that things are with the like clickbait and, and the reaction and everything. I've said this before on the podcast where, you know, like the overuse of the word epic to describe a match or like things like that where it's like, okay, not everything that you see has to be the best or the worst thing ever. 
like the extremes, rating something at extremes while being very tempting is like really detrimental. And in this case with Moonlight and La La Land, like I'm really happy Moonlight won. I wanted Moonlight to win because of the reasons that I stated in like past episodes about wanting, you know, these awards to reward a thing that it's not about what's best or worst, but rewarding a thing that you want to see more of and that you want to encourage more of. And obviously, you know, in terms of the movie making and and kind of just, um, you know, the stories that are being told, it's great that Moonlight got it because I hope that that means that there's more Moonlights uh, in in that get greenlit and get funded. Yeah. But just because like Moonlight like won or should win, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't mean that like the other thing is trash. And I'm sorry, but I like, and obviously maybe I feel this way because I really just enjoyed La La Land. It, it was a lovely movie. It was, it made me happy. We saw it in Melbourne. We saw it in Melbourne. And, you know, given my mental state at the time, still dealing with like election stuff and everything, it was just a nice like two hours of just like, I don't know exactly what it was trying to do, which is kind of be nostalgic and take it. Yeah. And I, I love the soundtrack. I listen to it all the time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just think that like maybe we should caution against that. And, and that sort of mentality does apply to tennis. I see it a lot of, th- you know, if you like this thing, then you have to hate the other thing because they are two things in competition. And you're like, yeah, yeah it's not or, really true. Or, you know, if Garbina Muguruza had lost to Kayla Day, Garbina Muguruza must suck. Right. It doesn't have to be that extreme It doesn't have thing. to be – or just like, yeah, like – yeah, it, it, it's just – I don't know. I just feel like people need to like temper themselves. People just need to like chill the freak out. Cool and really, Yeah, take, take your step back and just be like, was that really that bad? Was that really that good? Like let's just like stop. And sometimes you watch a thing and obviously we want so badly because we invest all this time in this sport. And mm-hmm. like if I sit here for three hours, I want the thing that I watched for three hours to mean something. Yeah. 90% of the time, then that's probably low. It doesn't. It's just a match that you enjoyed. Yeah. And if you enjoyed that's it, great. great. Then just move on. And it's okay. It doesn't have to be like, oh, it was terrible. Oh, it was great. It's just like, yeah, it was good. I loved it. I had a good time. Let's go. Yeah. So that's my rant rave. That's pretty good. Um, my rant rave will be about something I didn't, I don't think I talked about, I haven't read about it before, but this was a particularly satisfying edition of Melody Festival on this year. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Uh, the winner was Robin Benson with a song called I Can't Go On, which I guess I'll use as an outro. Um, and it was swell. And I encourage everybody to watch it and watch the clips and go back to the SVT website and rewatch the whole thing and get invested. Even though I just gave you a spoiler, but still, it'll, it'll be fine. Um, SVT.se. It's great. It's all in Swedish, but it's skipped through the dialogue parts. They have a fi- fast forward 15 seconds button, which is really useful. Um, yeah. And it's just a delightful thing. And, um, that's about all I have to say about that. I don't have a deeper meaning. Oh, and they should not that anyone from SVT is listening to this. Maybe you are. I don't, hello. Hello. How do you say hello in, in, in uh, uh, Swedish with some sort of accent over one of those vowels? I don't know. They, this weird app voting thing where you can basically just like during a song have the app and just like mash a button to vote for it. And so it completely like made all the votes level weirdly. So like there are 12 songs in the final. And the song that came in first place in the televote was uh, not this one. It was someone called called Hold On. And it got like only, I want to say, like 12% of the vote for first place. And 12th place got like 6% of the vote. And the other 10 were in between 12 and 6. It was like all just like meaningless. Like you won the televote with 12% of the vote? That's just... That's uninspiring. That's a, ba- that's, a, that's a bad plurality right there. Uh, so, yeah. So, fix that. But otherwise, it's perfect. It's wonderful. 
Um, and I'm looking forward to your vision as always. I haven't dug into most of the entries yet, but I'm sure they are of myriad quality. <laughs> and, and, you know, as, as, as one hopes for. So uh, with that, uh, here's Robin Benson, and we'll see you guys later. Bye. Just can't go on no more when you look this fucking beautiful. Oh, hands down to the floor, my love, and I'm doing.